0: How are you guys? I'm bringing my whole laptop up today. I hope that doesn't scare you at all, but um, we're going to have like a Bible study on a Sunday morning. Is that okay? I know Maggie is super into it. Welcome home. Welcome to the Bible study. Maggie took some time away. You're in Washington. Welcome home, sis. Glad you're back. It's good. It's good to be in the house of God. Amen. Are you happy to be here or what? When I ask my kids something like that, I say, are you happy to be here or what? He says, or what? (laughs) I guess he thinks it's like multiple choice, I guess. So are you happy to be here or what? You guys are quiet already, so it's not a good sign for you. I said Bible study, and that just tanked the energy right through the floor, you know. Um, I am so excited to be in the room with you today. It's always a joy to enter into God's presence, into His gates with thanksgiving, amen, with rejoicing, with being thankful for everything that God has allowed us to experience this past week. Uh, We were listening to a song this morning, and it was from uh, Maverick City, I think, and we were... Um, you know, Allison and I, standing in the bathroom together, and I, I, I don't even remember what song it was, but it was it was our new friend Dante. He was just singing about how grateful he was for the breath of life that he gets to breathe, and just how gratitude and thankfulness turns into worship and adoration when you truly are able to access that place of man. I'm just so thankful, even for the simple things even for the little things, that it's so easy to turn that right back into praise, right back into worship. And um, this month, we're talking a little bit about worship, talking a little bit about praise uh, with a new sermon series called Moments. Were you guys, uh, anybody here last week? Awesome. Last week was fun. Last week was really fun. And um, I really love the word that God gave me. And so we're going to continue uh, this sermon series called Moments with the Second Installation. And uh, to be quite honest with you, when God spoke to me about doing a sermon series on moments, I only knew about one verse of Scripture that I was going to choose to teach on. And it was what I'm going to share with you guys today. It's from Exodus chapter 33. How many of you love Exodus 33? Like you already know where I'm going. You're like, oh, that's Moses' encounter. That's when Moses saw the glory of God. How many of you guys just love that passage of Scripture? For whatever reason, I meet people all the time that are like, Exodus 33 is awesome. And it's really only just a, a ch- it's a smaller chunk of the whole chapter about Moses experiencing God's glory. But the, it, the passage just, it has a way about it that just seems somehow to get in you. And um, and so that's what I want to talk about today. So if you have your Bible, go ahead, and open it up to Exodus 33. I am going to read verse is 12 through 23. So it's going to be quite a quite a bit of scripture. Is that cool? Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So um, if you're if you're there in your Bible, say, I'm there. If you're going to read it off the screen, say, I'm there. I like it. I like your style. Exodus 33, verse 12 through 23. Hey, this is quite a few verses of Scripture. Is that cool? I told you we're having a Bible study this morning. It's just kind of the way that it worked out. So Exodus 33, 12 through 23 says this. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Now, I want to point out something right there as Moses says, now show me your ways. So there is a psalm and I don't have it in my notes that said Moses knew the ways of God, Israel knew the deeds of God. Moses knew the ways of God. Israel knew the acts of God. That's the difference in intimacy and just being an onlooker, right? Because an intimate is someone who knows the ways of God versus someone who just witnesses his acts, right? Yeah, so there, there, there's an upgrade available there. There's, a, there's an increase of intimacy that's available there. This is something that I'm hoping and praying in Jesus' name that there is a stirring in our spirits today to know the ways of God and not just witness the acts of God. Just because you saw a miracle doesn't mean you know Him. Right? There's more available for you. Amen? So look at your neighbor and say, there's more available for you. Consider, too, that this nation is your people." And he said, this is God, and God said, "'My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest.'" Who came to church today needing a little bit of rest? Amen. "'My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest.'" And he said to him, "'If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here.'" For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name." Seems to be a theme, right? How many of you guys know there is a favor of God's face. When we ask for favor before we ask for blessings, we ask for glory. When we ask for favor before we ask for stuff, we ask for Him. Please, please show me your glory. This is what Moses says next. Please show me your glory. And he said, This is God. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. Aren't you thankful that God decided to show you grace and mercy, that you weren't left out of the equation as God spoke to Moses. He also speaks to you on you. Just insert your name right there as you read through that passage on you. God will show mercy and grace. Amen. Amen. I'm going to, I'm going to talk, teach, do an old fashioned Bible study on presence principles. Okay. Presence principles. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Presence principles. Are you guys ready to learn some presence principles? All right. Well, let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much. We thank you so much for your presence in this place. We thank you for your goodness in this place. Lord, put a hunger in us for your glory. Lord, let us not be satisfied with just religious motions. Let us not be gratified with just coming to church and going through our normal routines. Put something in us, God, that would allow us to go further than we've ever gone before. Amen? Will you agree with that? Put something in us, God, a hunger an appetite for your presence that would allow us to go further than we've ever gone before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. So, today, what I'm going to do is talk about presence principles, and my goal is to really point this message towards—excuse <clears throat> me—towards people who long to see the glory of God. It's quiet in here. Um, so who long to see the glory of God? Who long to see the glory of God? I mean. I don't know about you guys. I'm going to be honest, okay? I don't know about you guys. Like I didn't sign up for normal. I didn't sign up for average. I didn't show up just to get a taste. Like, I signed on to walk with Jesus for as much glory as He would allow me to possibly see. Anybody else in here? Like religion, I didn't get wrecked by religion. I got saved by the real Jesus. I told you guys some of my testimony um, last week, actually. And I know a lot of you guys know it in here. uh, And we're doing this whole sermon series on moments. But this passage of Scripture is a moment, right? And the very first time I read about this moment, I was 21 years old. I don't know where you were the first time um, that you read Exodus chapter 33. But I read Exodus 33 for the first time when I was 21. I would bet you I'd only been saved for about three weeks. I had no idea how to study the Bible, so I just picked it up every night in my bed by myself, and I would read chronologically. I started with Genesis. Nobody told me to start with the Gospel of John, you know, so that I could get like the lovey-dovey, stuff and the revelation on Jesus first, I just picked up and I started from Genesis chapter one and I just read it, you know, and I got to Exodus chapter 33. I got to this moment when Moses asked to see the glory of God and God responded and showed Moses his glory. I read about that moment and from that moment in my life, I began seeking a similar moment. Has this happened to anybody else in here? You read about moments in the Bible. You're like, God, I want that. You know, you don't just read the Bible. The Bible reads you. The Bible leaps off of the page and into your spirit. And it prophesies to you about the potential of your lifestyle. So as you read people in the Bible having what theology would call a theophany, it's when a human being beholds the divine. That's what's happening in Exodus chapter 33. There is something that is supposed to stir in our spirit where we say, I want that too. This is also available for me. Why? Not because I earned it, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ that is paid for it so that I could have a moment. Anybody else want a moment like this? I mean, I want a moment like this. This is the moments that, that I live for. And I remember, uh, at 21 reading this and putting the Bible down and thinking, wow, that is awesome. Show me your glory, God. You know, when we pray that we have no idea what we're asking for. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, you know, the more of God will only cost you your dignity. It will only cost you your dignity right? And so when we pray things like, God, show me your glory, we don't really know what it is that we're asking for, but we ask for a moment. And I remember when I was 21 asking for this moment and I would do this thing at night where I would pace around my bed and I would pace and I would pray and I would say, God, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. Anybody ever did this before? God, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. God, show me your glory. And the presence of God would fill the room with such power that I would begin to get scared thinking that God was actually gonna show up in my bedroom. He was gonna rip the roof off the place and actually show up in my bedroom. And I was afraid because I thought, if he really shows up, I'm gonna die. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, if God actually shows up, then, then I will probably die. And, and and that's, you know, that's what God is speaking here in Exodus 33. Whenever he says, Hey, like there's nobody that can behold my glory and actually live. Right? So what I want to do is I want to dive into this passage almost line by line by line. So Uh, For me, this was always, always a moment that I looked at in Scripture. And so I thought during our moment series, what we could do is we could go line by line and look at what's happening here in this passage and discover some presence principles. Will that work out for you? Awesome. Okay. So, um, if you guys don't mind, just go ahead and put back up the very first slide of Exodus chapter 33. Just put the very first slide 12 through 13, and we're going to look at this line by line, okay? So, Moses says to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Now, what I want you guys to recognize here is that Moses is politely complaining. Right? Let's get real. Like, Moses is politely complaining. Think about it, because when we read the Bible, we tend to read the Bible in this religious tone. You know, everything's like King James language, and we just think of it as being really eloquent. But what we have to recognize here is that a conversation is taking place between two deeply connected people. God and Moses are deeply connected. They are friends. Okay, so you have to recognize the context of the conversation. Moses has entered the tent of meeting, his tent, his secret place, and he is politely complaining to God. Moses is tasked with a massive assignment, which is to lead thousands upon thousands of people. Moses is literally the pastor of a people group. This sounds like some of my conversations with God. I'm going to go ahead and keep it real with you this morning. Sometime I enter my prayer closet complaining. And I'm like, God, you said to lead these people. Legacy Church. But you have not told me what kind of help you're going to bring to me. It's a difficult thing to be in charge and not know where you're headed right? But that's exactly what was happening here in Moses's life. That's exactly what's happening in Moses's ministry. He is in charge and he is trying to follow God. So he enters into the presence and he begins to politely complain. He says, God, look, I need you to send me some help. How often is it that you remind God bitterly of your circumstances, despite what God has said? He says, yet you have said, I know you by name. And you have also found favor in my sight. God, if I know you by name and I truly have your favor, why is it that I'm so confused right now? Has anybody else ever done this before? You start comparing God's word. You're reminding him of what he said. You start comparing his word to your circumstances. You're like, God, but you said that all of these things are gonna happen. Listen, complaining in prayer is biblical. I just want you to know that however you come to God, God is ready to receive you. It, it, it may seem to you as though it is a complaint, but actually it may start as a complaint, but it'll eventually work its way into dependency. Because when you get in the presence of God, because God's like, hey, come in, come in. What ends up happening is we get to that place and we start to recognize that without his word, that without his presence, that without, without what he has to give, we don't have anything. And I love this because Moses starts to recognize something as he talks about favor, right? He says, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, right? Why? That I may know you in order to find more favor in your sight. I think this is awesome because Moses understands that God's favor is attached to his discernment. I want you to really consider that. Moses understands that God's favor is attached to his discernment. If you can discern what God is doing in any moment of time, favor will never be a problem for you. Let me say that again. If you can discern what God is doing in the moment, favor will never be a problem. It will never be a problem. If he knows what God is doing and why, he'll have no problem walking in favor with the people that he's been tasked to lead. This is what we call a prophetic anointing. If you can discern what God is doing and why, I promise you this, favor will never be a problem for you. Because everybody wants to know what what is God doing and why. A prophetic anointing is actually a tremendous variable with kingdom leadership. Because everybody wants to know what God's saying and what God is doing. That's why I don't care if a 14-year-old prophesies over me. If he has discernment, I'm ready to listen. You guys get what I'm saying? A lot of young people, they complain about, oh, man, you know, I don't have, I don't, I don't get opportunity. I don't lead. Well, get in the presence of God and get anointed with a prophetic spirit. And you'll have discernment to know what God is saying and what God is doing. And I promise you, everybody wants to hear that. You get what I'm saying? And so that's what Moses understands. He's like, look, understanding your ways, uh, you know, looks like intimacy to me, but it looks like favor to the crowd. And I need to have intimacy with you. I need to get in your presence. I need to understand your ways because I need favor to lead the people you've called me to lead. I need favor. And, And this is essentially what Moses is saying. And if you devote yourself to God's presence, you'll have no problem discerning what God is doing. And favor always follows this understanding. Wow. Yes. Moses recognizes what he has and he acknowledges his need for more. He's like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. I am pastoring a people group. I am leading thousands of people. I need more favor. Now, how does God respond to this polite complaint, right? Moses is like, show me your ways. I need more favor. You've not told me who's going to help me. You haven't even given me a good team. I mean, Aaron, my brother-in-law, like he's turning, you know, people's jewelry into golden calves and stuff. Like, I don't even know who it is that you're going to send with me to do this great thing that you've called me to. It's obvious I don't have the favor that you said that I did. I need more favor. Anybody ever been in this place before? I mean, I feel like I'm in this place all the time, to be honest with you. Come on, God. And then how does God respond? All right, how does God respond to Moses' honest complaining? Verse 14, go ahead and you guys pull it up. 33, verse 14. And he says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Notice God says nothing about favor. God says nothing about his team. God says nothing about revealing mysteries to him. God doesn't point him in a direction. God doesn't give him a scripture verse. God doesn't say, I'm going to send somebody and they're going to give you a prophetic word. What is God's response to Moses's polite complaint? My presence shall go with you and I will give you rest. And this is presence principle number one. So if you're taking notes, write this down. The answer is always God's presence. No matter what your need is today, no matter what question you came to church with this morning, here's what I can tell you. God's answer is always God's presence. The answer is always God's presence. Moses thought he needed more hands. Moses thought he needed more help, but what he needed was more presence. Before you need help, you need presence. Before you need a team, you need presence. Before you need resources, finances, you need presence. Moses was making a common mistake here. He had overvalued the help of other people and undervalued the power of the presence of God. How often do we do that in our lives? We overvalue other people's involvement and we undervalue the power of the presence of God. If I can just get in the presence, I'll have everything that I need to do all that God has called me to do, including the people that God is going to send to me. You guys with me? Moses is being stretched by his assignment. And I mean, I understand why, but God provides this holy prescription, which is my presence. Whatever problem you have this morning, church, whatever it looks like, whatever it feels like, whatever's going on in your world, I don't care if it's cancer or a hangnail. It can be very small or very big. Here's where I promise you the solution starts, the presence of God. Isn't it interesting how when we have a problem, we'll text everybody in our favorites list before we'll go to prayer? You know, we'll call everybody. We'll send emails out. We'll start texting our leaders or our pastors. Hey, can you pray for me? Can you help me? All those things are good. I'm not saying that you shouldn't do them. You shouldn't connect or communicate. You shouldn't ask for prayer. But before you do any of that, go to the presence of God. We've got to start with God's priority, which is God's person, God's presence. It doesn't matter what God has called you to do, big or small, you need presence first. And God even says, in my presence is what? Oh, you guys are quoting other scriptures and everything. I like this. You guys are dialed in this morning. This is awesome. We're going Psalm 16 and 11. The fullness of joy, pleasures forevermore. I like that one, bro. That's one of my favorites. But specifically within this conversation, right, what does he say? See, I got scholars in my amen corner. Y'all don't know nothing about that. They feed me notes when I don't know where I'm going next. And... But, but, but he says, my presence will go with you and I'm going to give you what rest. That's one of the first attributes of the presence of God. See, I looked this word up in the Hebrew. You know what it means to settle down, to settle down to calm down, to cool out. That's what the presence of God provides for you. When you are stressed out and when you are anxious and when you are nervous and when you are worried and when you cannot figure out what to do, when you go into the presence of God, here's what God promises will be your portion. Rest. Says he'll settle you down. Listen, the presence of God is the antidote for anxiety. The presence of God is the antidote for anxiety. Now, whenever Moses hears this word, you know, at this, to this point, Moses is like, I'm complaining. I need this help. I need this team. I need all these things. God doesn't even respond to his complaints. He just says, my presence. Somebody in here is getting the exact same word because you've been looking for a solution all week. And I want you to hear God say, my presence. That's exactly what God is prescribing you this morning. You came to the great physician. You didn't know you were coming to church for a doctor's appointment, but you came to the great physician this morning and he has written you a prescription. It is this presence. Look at your neighbor and say presence. Get in it. Presence, right? And, 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 and I love the fact because when God speaks a word, it changes everything, doesn't it? You know, I, I, my dad always says with a word, you're fearless. Isn't that awesome? That's such a good word. With the word, you're fearless, right? And whenever God drops this word to Moses, what happens? Moses' mindset shifts immediately. As soon as God gives him this word, Moses' mindset shifts. And, and uh, can you go back to the previous slide? I just want to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm following around good. Okay. That I've found favor in your sight. Okay. Go to the next one. Okay, consider too that this nation is your people. Then here's God speaking and my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses says back to him, see, there's a, there's a shift in mindset here because Moses goes from overvaluing the help of other people and undervaluing the power of the presence of God to now he is putting the appropriate value on the help of other people. And he is placing the appropriate value on the presence of God, which is supreme value. Isn't it amazing how God can speak that word and that shift will take place? You're like, oh, how did I miss it? How did I forget about this? How did I skip over this? Like there is power in the presence and it's not other people's support that I need first. The first thing that I need is the presence of God. So Moses has come to this place where he puts appropriate value on the presence of God. And what does he say? If your presence doesn't go with me, I ain't moving. Some of you guys need to get this message down in your spirit, right? It's like... I'm not moving. Nope, I'm putting a stake in the ground. I'm not moving cities. I'm not moving jobs. I'm not not shifting my relationships around. Without the presence, I don't have the compass that I need to navigate my life appropriately. I am going to put supreme value on the presence of God. And that's what Moses is saying. If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight? Isn't it awesome that God, and and now Moses is understanding this, he is connecting favor to the presence. If you want more favor, get some more presence. Get into the presence. Step into the presence of God. It guarantees that you'll be marked with favor. And to be honest with you guys, I think that all of us need this shift in our mindset. We, we, We need to have this shift in our mindset, which is to place the appropriate value on the presence of God. And that's actually presence principle number two. Presence principle number two is this. God's presence must become irreplaceable yes. in your life. Yes. I mean, we, we talked about it last week. What's the goal of every day, which is to see the face of God, right? Uh, God's presence must become irreplaceable in your life. You, you, you've got to come to a place where you are refusing. You're like, I just refuse to do anything without the presence of God. If I don't have the presence, I'm not moving. Once Moses understood the importance of the presence, he then refused to move without it because he understood that it was the presence that would set him apart. Guys, listen, God's people are supposed to carry God's presence. And, and listen, listen, I'm, I'm not undervaluing this. I think for a long time, what we've emphasized is God's people are supposed to carry God's word. Yes, they are. I'm not undervaluing that, but they should also carry the presence. So that we could have the compassion and the goodness and the mercy upon us. So that as we share God's word, it comes across with love and not judgment. We, don't, we, we need to carry the word of God, but we also need to carry the presence of God. And that's what Moses understood. He said, I can't accomplish my assignment without the presence marking me. Unless the presence marks me, I cannot accomplish my assignment. Now, Exodus 33 and 17 says this, and the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do. Isn't it interesting that God simply repeats what he's been saying all along? I think so much of prayer is just God repeating himself. You know, it's like we get into a place of prayer and he says what he said before and it just like, oh yeah, duh. Isn't it interesting? Like, like Moses is like, I I want the presence. God's like, you got the presence. He's like, well, I'm not going to leave unless I have the presence. And then God responds and says, what you've spoken and asked for, I'm going to do, which is what he already gave him in the first place. Here's a key to always having your prayers answered. Ask about what God's already spoken to you about. Ask about what's in God's word. Ask about the things that God has already spoken to you. You know, continue to bring it up, continue to ask God for it. And he says, I'm going to do that. Why? Because you found favor in my sight and I know you by name. He repeats to Moses a word that he'd received before. What he's saying is, Moses, I give you my presence. The presence is available to you, which is presence principle number three. Presence principle number three is this. God's presence is already yours. It's always available and it's always free. I know that's a word for somebody in here today because a lot of times we disqualify ourselves from the presence of God, don't we? We disqualify ourselves from having a moment. We come to church and we say, man, I just hope to get some of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. I just hope, you know, that I can punch my time clock and go to church so that God will see that I'm behaving well. And maybe that will qualify me for some of his favor. Because of what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross, he has welcomed you now and forever into his absolute presence. It is always available for you, whether here in the altar or in the car, in your commute, on the way to work. And it is always free. You did nothing to earn it. You can do nothing to work it up. Because of what Jesus Christ paid for on the cross, you have it for free now and forever. Listen, guys, you can have as much of God as you want. Let me try this side. Hey, listen, you can have as much of God as you want. Isn't that indicting? As as we talk to ourselves about what we don't have, it's like, but God's like, you can have as much as you want. It's been free your whole life. It's free. It will always be free. It's available. How much of God do you want? How much presence do you want? How much of me do you want? And I think that's the moment that Moses sort of stumbles into. He starts to recognize that God is creating a moment of invitation. He's creating a moment in his presence. He's creating a moment of encounter. And he's like, more. It's interesting, like the less that you eat in the natural, the more hungry you become. But the more you eat in the spiritual, the more hungry you become. The more you start to expose yourself to God's presence, the more of the appetite you develop for God's presence. The more you expose yourself to God's word, the more desire you have to get in God's word. And see, Moses had made, um, he had made a tradition of this. If you'll go back, can I give you some homework? Two people said yes in the amen corner. And so, like, I want you to go read Exodus chapter 32 through Exodus 34. All right, like get some context for what's happening here, because what's happened is Moses has just received the Ten Commandments for the first time in Exodus chapter 32. He comes down off the mountain. He sees everybody worshiping a golden calf. And what does he do? I mean, he is super angry and he breaks the Ten Commandments, right? He comes down. He rebukes everybody. He gets them in line. He's like, what's wrong with these people? Some of you guys are like this when you come home from work, you know, (laughs) what's wrong with these people? You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and he's like, I'm going to go do something that I need. I'm going to declare my dependency upon the presence of God. Read Exodus 33, the the beginning. I'm going to go to my tent of meeting. Some of you guys have one of these at home. You call it your prayer closet. Some of you guys call it your office, your study. I call it my gym. It's my tent of meeting. Right. It's where I go. It's, it's kind of where I resort. I'm going back. I'm getting in that place of the presence because I have a hunger and I have a dependency for the presence. And then like Moses, you get in there and you're like more. More. If you want to have a moment with God, you got to stand up more. What you what you gave me last week, God was awesome. More. What you gave me 10 years ago, God, in that revival service, more. What you gave me this morning was beautiful. Thank you for that word, more. I need more tonight. I need more than yesterday. I need more. I I obviously don't have enough. Like the people are still worshiping calves, more. (laughs) I mean, people are like, you know, people are going crazy, more. If you want to have a moment, you, you just have to be possessed By a request, which is, I need more, God. I want more, God. I want more, God. And that's why Moses was able to stand in that tent. This is going to become relevant later. So remember it. That's why Moses is standing in that tent. And he's saying more. Day after day, more. So read Exodus 34 when you get home, and you'll see this. Moses goes back up the mountain. So what's happening in Exodus 33? Moses has come down off the mountain. He's now in his tent. Exodus 34, he goes back up the mountain. So where is Moses having this conversation with God? Read Exodus 33. It's in the tent of meeting. It's not on the mountain. Which makes this encounter very interesting because as Moses stands there in the presence, he says, show me your glory. I've seen a lot, but now I want it all. I want the whole thing. I want the whole enchilada. You know what I'm saying? Modern vernacular. You know, the whole kit and caboodle. <laughs> That's a sports slang term, I think, you know. More. I want some more. I'm still hungry. I still need some more. And this is how he says it. Please show me your glory. He he had politely complained before. Now he's politely petitioning. More glory. I'm in your presence, God, and now I want the glory. And so I I looked up the words because God so eloquently promises presence, right? So Moses knows he already has presence. He's like, hey, you got my presence. You got my presence. You got my presence. And he's like, show me the glory. So what's the difference? Because if Moses already freely has the presence, why does he go on with asking for the glory? Am I just a nerd or do you get curious about this as well? Well, He's like, well, Moses, you already had the presence. Why are you asking for glory? Because Moses understood that there was always levels. It's always glory to glory to glory. And you can get as much of God as you can handle. Uh, Let me put it like this. You can get as much of God as you're willing to let go of. Thank you. I I found it. The mic's working. We're in. More. More. Come on, who in here, like, who am I talking to this morning that's like, man, I've been, this has been messing me up. Like, I need more of God. I need some more God. It's just, I, 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 I just can't live off leftovers anymore. Like, it was awesome, the experience I had in my youth group, but now I'm an adult, and I need more. I know the presence is available. I feel it from time to time. I know the power is my portion. I get the glory goosebumps, and it's awesome. But who am I talking to in here that you have an appetite in your spirit right now where you're like, I need more. I need more of you, God. I'm just not satisfied with anything less than the more. God's like, you got my presence. Moses is like, I need your glory. So what is presence exactly? I'm going to give you guys a little breakdown here. Presence is the word panim, which means face and to turn. So to be in God's presence is for God to turn his face towards you. So let me let me give you a very basic personal definition of God's presence. God's presence is God's attention. God's presence is God's attention. When you've got God's attention, you're in God's presence. It's, it's when you feel, when you're in worship in church, you're in worship at home, you're in worship in your car, wherever you are. And you know, you know what I'm talking about, where you start to know that God is there. And I'm not just talking about a tingle, I'm talking about a knowing. Right? I'm talking about a knowing in your spirit, right? You're like, God is here. That right there, that's God's presence. What that is, is God's attention. Your worship has captivated the king, and now he has turned his face towards you, and he has given you his full attention. How many of you live for that place? Come on, let's go. Where God's like, You have my attention, you have my focused gaze, which is what David was talking about last week in Psalm chapter 27, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord and gaze. Moses knew the gaze, Moses knew the presence. Moses knew the attention of God, but Moses said, no, 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 I need more. I want full on glory. What does glory mean? Glory is the word kabod, which means weight and abundance. It also means honor, splendor, authority, and character. So what Moses is asking for here is to experience the complete gravity of God's abundance, honor, splendor, authority, and character, which is why glory is dangerous. God, I want to experience the complete weight of your authority. Woo, be careful. God, I want to experience the complete weight of your character. Do you really? Because it's going to cost you some transformation. Yeah, okay. I think. See, only dead men see the glory. Because you have to be willing to let go of your character, your authority, your splendor, your honor. In order to receive God's honor, God's splendor, God's character, God's authority. Only dead men. See the glory. Yes. Moses has been exposed to God's attention and now he's like, I want more, which is presence principle number four. Go ahead and write this down. Live to explore the limits of God's presence. Let me ask you a question. How much of God can you see and live? How much, that, this has to be our mission. How much of God can I see <laughs> and not die naturally? Have I gone way out there today? I'm looking at some of y'all's faces. I know we had a little, you know, some problems. But look, are y'all lost on me now? But like, I'm genuinely wanting to know, like, how much of God can you see and stay breathing? And I promise you, like, that thin place sometimes is a scary place because you're like, I might die. It's true. How many of you guys want encounters like that? Four people. Okay. How many guys? (laughs) I'll take them, Lord. Whatever you had stored up for them, Lord, I'll take them. Really? Like how many of you guys, you know, you're hungry. Like you can acknowledge, you're like, you know, I didn't know I was hungry, but I am. My spirit, man, is I'm hungry for that. I want to explore the limits of God's glory. And he says, show me your glory. How does God respond whenever Moses asked for the glory? Uh, God responds with two things. He says, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you. And two, I'm going to proclaim my name, the Lord. Y'all, do y'all realize how phenomenal this is? He said, all, and I look it up in the Hebrew. It, it means all, all, all of my goodness. If you have a problem recognizing God is good, What you need is not a study. You need an encounter. Because in the glory, you start to recognize that God is actually good. When you behold him rightly, you see that he's actually a good God. And so glory and goodness are inseparable from one another. So when Moses asked for the glory, God says, I'll send you the goodness. Right? We were singing this song. And Moses is like, hey, you know. I want the glory. Send your glory to me. Guys, listen. David understood. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Surely goodness will follow me all the days of my life. The truth of the, the, truth of the matter is you're not following glory. Glory's following you. Yes. Just waiting for you to surrender. Yes. Just waiting for you to let go. Just waiting for you to say more. Yes. Yes. More. I just need more. I want goodness. The, the word here goodness means goodness, beauty, and prosperity. And so God says, all of my beauty, my complete beauty, my perfect prosperity is going to pass by you, right? And then I'm going to proclaim my name to you, which is the Lord, which is a sacred name, which is the name Yahweh. Which is the last thing that you'll say right before you die. Yahweh. That's the first thing that you said when you were born. Yahweh. It's the very name of God that entered your spirit as you were created in the womb. And that's what God says. I'm going to proclaim my name. I want you to imagine that the fullness of God's beauty, that his perfect prosperity is about to pass by a human being. And the sound of a mighty rushing wind. (gasps) Is anybody else freaked out by I'm personally freaked out by this. I'm personally scared by this. I'm thinking, I want this. (laughs) I'm going to preach myself into an encounter. I don't know if you guys are there or not, but I'm there. All right. And, and then, and then, you know, God's like, I'm going to show goodness to whom I'll show goodness to. And I'm going to show mercy to who I'll show mercy to. And he says, who I choose, I'll, I'll show, I'll show grace to who I choose. I'll show mercy to. Isn't it good news that you've been chosen in the same way that God chose Moses. Don't get it in your head that, oh, it's reserved for Moses. No, it is for you. God chose you. God has grace for you. God has mercy for you. In the same way that all of his goodness passed before Moses, he wants all of his goodness to pass before you. And as he encounters you, he wants to breathe over you his name. Come on, God, stir us for encounters like this, Lord. Stir us for a place where we're like, hey, we want to see the glory. Presence is awesome. I love your attention. But I want the fullness of you. Uh, One of the commentators said, pass by is the same word as pass through. And I'm like, "Woo! eclipse me, God. I like that. You know, it's just mystical. I love it. And and, and, and Moses says, you know, you can't see my face and live. Have you guys ever went on a roller coaster before, like Tower of Terror or something like that, you know? And you get to that point where you're like. It's like the intensity is so heavy that you can't even participate in the entertainment. You're like. You're like, oh. <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. That's what this encounter was like, plus more. It was like you thought you wanted an encounter. No! <laughs> Maybe not, God. And so God actually had to protect Moses from the encounter because the encounter was so heavy that he couldn't experience it unless he first died. Now, thank God we've all died with Christ and we've resurrected with him on the third day. So this qualifies you for a better encounter than Moses received because superior encounters are not reserved for an inferior covenant. And so what Moses saw, you can actually see, but even more so in the fullness than Moses saw it. But God understood something. If I'm going to give you this glory encounter, I've got to do something first, which is I've got to hide you. If I'm going to give you this encounter, you've got to be positioned properly for this encounter. So Moses says, here's what I'm going to do. There is a rock by me. Hold on. Wait just a second. I thought Exodus 33, Moses was in the tent. Is this getting weird for you guys yet? See, when you experience glory, it's not God coming get down to you. When you experience glory, it's you going up to God. This is too much for a Sunday. This should have been a Bible. I told you a Bible study. It's a Bible study. I'm already six minutes over. It's a Bible study. Right? God says, there is a rock by me. Right? And so he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to come to where you are. If you want to experience glory, you're going to have to come to where I am. Because no flesh will glory in my presence. Right? And so he takes Moses. This is, I mean, we can debate, you know, DM me. But like he takes... Moses into the glory, right? And then he says, I'm going to hide you. See, if you're going to experience glory, you have to be positioned properly. And if you're going to experience glory, you have to be comfortable with hiddenness. And so what he does is he takes Moses. Now, I want you to imagine this for a moment. He takes Moses and he puts him. (laughs) in a vertical, I feel like I'm watching some of you guys. Some of you guys are like getting real tanked up. This is great. And so he puts Moses in a vertical crack in a rock. So think about it like that. There is a cleft. That's what it is. It's a vertical crack. And so Moses gets placed by the hand of God into that vertical crack in the wall. And then he says, all of my goodness is going to pass by you. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to shield you by putting my palm over the cleft of the rock. So Moses is literally encapsulated in the cleft of the rock. And God puts his palm over top of the cleft of the rock. So Moses is standing there in relative darkness because he is about to go on the Tower of Terror. And so it's like, boom. You still want glory? So he puts them in there, he closes them, and can you imagine the rum? You know, it's like God is passing through. Yahweh. This is just my imagination. And the father has got his hand over top of the rock until he gets a safe distance. And then once he gets a safe distance, he removes it and lets Moses from the cleft of the rock see his back. Now, we know in John 4:24 that it says that God is spirit. God doesn't have a body unless you're looking at Jesus, right? You're looking at the son of man. You're looking at the son of God, which is Jesus. And so just hashtag Lyle's opinion. This possibly could have been a premonition, a vision, an encounter where Moses was actually allowed to see into the future and witness the back of the Messiah. I don't know. I'm just saying that's the only way I know how to explain it. It's a probable thing. In my mind, doesn't have to be in yours. It's, I'm, you know, I'm just going with what I prayed about this week. But nonetheless... nonetheless Moses sees God now let me give you the fifth point this is the last one to experience glory embrace hiddenness to experience glory embrace hiddenness some of you guys right now you're in a hidden season you're like man nobody sees me nobody sees what I'm doing nobody where's my team Where's my? Where's the people gonna champion me and cheerlead me? Where's my help? You tasked me with this huge assignment, God. Then you hid me. No, nobody's recognizing me. Nobody sees the value that I bring. You asked for glory. Yeah, but you asked for glory. Yeah, but you asked for glory. You said that just a little bit of presence wasn't enough for you. You asked for glory. You asked for the raw, unfiltered, unadulterated glory of God. You asked for this. And so now God's positioned you in a hidden place. See, I mean, you asking for glory is always going to precede God hiding you. Because God's going to take you at your word and he's going to recognize, listen, for you, success in this season looks like seeing Not being seen. You guys with me? I got to close down this Bible study. So who wants glory, man? Who wants goodness? Who wants to have an encounter that you can't come back from? Me too. As a church, you know, why don't we just come to that place where like, we're here for him. Uh, all the other stuff, I mean, Moses had a lot on his plate, and all those things are important, and they're good. But there is a precedent yes. in the presence of God. I, I don't know if the worship team is there. If you guys want to come up, you can. I think we should maybe sing a chorus or something. I think we should have some type of an opportunity to request the glory. What about you? Yes. Yes. So, Lord, we ask you. We want to say like Moses, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. God, we're not going to be satisfied easy. We're not going to turn around and go home without a full measure of everything that you have to pour out for us, God. We do not. We don't want to taste death until we've experienced the fullness of everything that you allow on this side of heaven, Lord on this side of eternity, God. Lord, we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, if we pray that for miracles, we can pray that for encounters. If we pray that for healing, Lord, we can pray that for glory. There is a glory that is in heaven. And I believe with all my heart that our praise can pull on that and that we can pull on that. And we can say, God, send your glory. We wanna see your glory. We wanna see more. We're not gonna be satisfied. We refuse to quit with an appetizer. You know, I can't help but to think about the banquet that God wanted to give. The banquet where he was like, hey, I want to give all these people this massive feast in my presence. like, I got stuff to do. I'm busy. I I don't, you know, I got to take care of this and I got to take care of that. And God's like, all right, we'll go and find the people who are hungry enough to come in and they'll dine with me in my presence. They'll dine with me in receive the glory of everything that i have prepared may we be hungry like that may we have the inward posture tozer said this may we have the inward posture of a beggar on the streets of jerusalem in that we are so hungry we are so dependent we are so demanding on the presence of god that we will not be satisfied with anything less i pray that over us now in jesus name if you guys don't mind to stand we're going to sing But as we sing, I just want to ask you, and if you don't need, if you can't stand, if you want to sit, that's fine. Or if you want to kneel, that's fine. Or whatever you're doing right now is just fine. But can we just ask for a moment and say, God, show us your glory. Can we make a proclamation over our family today and say, God, we want to see glory. We want to see glory. God, we want to see glory. We want to see glory. We want to see you. We want to see you. We want to see more. As we prepare to ask God for this, if you're in the room today and you're far from God, you're lost and you need to come home, you need to get saved or you need to dedicate your life to Jesus, rededicate your life to Jesus. Would you just lift your hand up real quick just so that I can see you. Is there anybody in here? We'll pray with you. Awesome, awesome, I see you, amazing. Anybody else, just real quick, just wanna create some space for a response. All right, let's everyone pray. Jesus. Come on, let's everybody pray. Jesus, thank you for your blood. I repent of my sin, and I come home today. Forever and ever, I'm yours.